So the Lord gave me a phrase for our message this morning, and I want to share that with you as the Holy Spirit uh, works in your heart and your life. And here it is. It's a very simple phrase. I've been thinking about it all week, and it's, don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give the devil a foothold. And as we spend our time in the Word, we're in Acts chapter 5 today. I want to give you a chance to just let the Lord begin to uh, decide in your life and in my life what that means. And so that's just kind of where I want to start. First, I, I want to just take a minute to thank the uh, amazing volunteers that helped make Mega Sports Camp go so well this last week. It's just really, um, it's one of those times in my ministry every year that I get a chance to kind of hang with the quality people in our church. They're just great people. I hear their stories. I have a chance to see them in action and, and just really see how the Lord works in and through them. And it's, it's fun for all of us because we see the Lord work in the, in the lives of our the kids in our community, and it's just really fun to, to see that excitement. Um, the crew that Heidi lined up, I can't say enough about them. They work together to make it the best experience possible for the kids, and, and that's awesome. But if you think about it, it's kind of like what life is for you and I as we walk through it, as we journey through life with God in control of our hearts and our lives. We want to make it the best possible experience for everybody around us. And that's hard. That's not just something you can say, hey, it, it happens, I, I wake up every day, I've got my little WWJD bracelet on or whatever I have, and I'm fired up to go out and I'm going to serve him. Man, I wake up some mornings and I'm anything but desirable for anybody around me. Maybe I'm grumpy, maybe I'm tired, maybe I'm not feeling the greatest, and yet I watched those four days where we got a little more tired each day because it it's a lot of energy expended, you just had this chance to see these little lives who are like sponges want to know more about God. I feel like there's people in, in our lives that God has placed for us to, to be an influence on that are like sponges. They just want to get more and more of God. And I like that, that last song we just sang. And, and it's kind of like that is our opportunity. But then I start to think about, so what if I, if I look back, and, and today I want to focus on not guilt, but listening to the Holy Spirit talk to us. Let me just share with you for a minute. In my heart, there's always a temptation for Christians to just step into a, a situation and let people know what we believe. And you saw my hand like this because sometimes we just jump in there and we feel like it's our job to say, hey, you're wrong and the Bible's right and this is the way you should live and we begin to go through our lives. It's like we load both of our guns and we fire them off and we walk away and we say, hey, we've done our job. One of the most damaging things to me as far as Christianity has are people like us who are in some ways hypocrites because we feel led to say something, but we've not really allowed the Holy Spirit to prepare us to share that message, so we just deliver it kind of harshly and we say things and then we walk away. I want to encourage you this morning to, to, to realize that God loves us so much that he, that he gave us His Son who died for us and rose again. He promised us a comforter and the Holy Spirit who he would leave with us to use every day of our lives in a very powerful way. And yet we don't always remember that. Sometimes I think about those opportunities that he's given me. What if I have a bad day? Or I make a mistake. Or I say something that reveals my lack of faith. Or I don't prepare and I miss an opportunity with family or friends. Or I'm so tired that I don't follow through. And to me, that's where the, the message of the book of Acts is so helpful. You'll see behind me verse 8 in the first chapter. And again, we've, we've covered this, but it's such a good verse. 
But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then he, he says in Acts, he, he also comes in Acts 2.38, he says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there's this very clear promise that he gives to us today from his word. And, and I'm, not the, I'm not the denomination representative of, of how free-flowing the Holy Spirit is, because I'm still learning at this point in my life what it means to understand the Holy Spirit and to live with his power in my life and to constantly lean on him in my everyday goings-on as I try to discover what it is he has for me. But Luke tells us about the power and the presence of the Spirit that will lead us to the good news of the gospel. Let's just stop for here for a minute, and I want to share a couple things from Dr. Graham's book, The Holy Spirit Activating God's Power in Our Life. He gives us great qualities of the Holy Spirit, and I want you to think with me this morning as we focus on that message that God gave me, don't give the devil a foothold. The first attribute we see, these are personal, he speaks. Revelation 2.7, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. He speaks. So we begin to see this personal aspect of our lives, and we realize that that's what he's saying. I, I want to stop here for a minute, because what, what I keep getting reminded of is I, I'm a fast talker. And I don't like to be a fast talker. Because to me, fast talking seems like I'm urgent and I want to get through it. What I want you to hear me say this morning is there are personal attributes of the Holy Spirit that are definitely available for us. And as we allow him to to be a part of our lives, we begin to see amazing things happen. He intercedes, we see in Romans 8.26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but for the Spirit himself but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. So he intercedes. That, that's on our behalf. He leads, Romans eight fourteen because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. He leads, that's his personal attribute. I'm thinking about times in my day and times in my week and times in my life where I have to rely on his leading because it's so important. He guides another personal attribute. John 16, 13, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes... He will speak, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. A huge blessing for us. The Holy Spirit has personal blessings or personal attributes that we benefit from. Dr. Graham also reminded us of divine attributes. And again, these are things that you're aware of and that I'm aware of, but I want to use those as a backdrop as we look at Acts 5 today and we study the people of Ananias and Sapphira. He's eternal. Hebrews 9.14, how much more then will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? He's eternal. As part of the Trinity, he is eternally with us. He's all-powerful. Luke 1.35, the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. He's omnipresent. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And to me, that's always a reminder that, that he's with me, and it keeps me in line. He's always with us. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. 
For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now to Acts 5. God was setting the guidelines for us to live after he took Jesus into heaven. Quick review this morning. We're going through Acts. We're understanding the power we gave you, Acts 1.8, to see that the spirit is with us. Jesus ascends into heaven after he gives the promise of the Holy Spirit, and then he sends the spirit. Good to know that there's a follow-through. We live in a world where there's lots of promises made, and there's no follow-through. Sometimes, parents, we make promises to our children, and we don't follow through on them. God did. He, he took Jesus up into heaven. Jesus promised the Spirit, and then he sent him. When the Spirit came in power, life-changing events happened. People were like sponges. Here's that comment I made about the, the mega sports kids. To get as much of God as they could daily. It was like daily they were excited. Things happened. Miracles happened. They, they gave all, the, all their belongings. They got together. They listened to the apostles' teaching. They began to see all these things happening. Do you and I long to know more about the Lord? Is that how we get the, the energy in our lives? Is it we can't wait to hear more of what he has for us every day of our lives? The apostles also began to form the foundation of church life. Gathering together, growing from the teaching of the apostles, they prayed together, they gave to the church to help those in need, they ate together, they hung out together, they met needs for the widows and the orphans, they became better organized to do even more to further God's kingdom. And that's the beginning of the early church. They were obeying God and listening to his direction. Peter and John even performed a miracle with God's power, healing a man crippled from birth. Now we come to the fifth chapter and we find them faced with a very difficult experience. Broke it down into three things. The first one you see is the requirement of God's truth. The requirement of God's truth. And I, I wrote in here willful disobedience. And what I want you to hear with me today is this important principle of utilizing the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life and in mine. Because we're going to face things that we, have never, we never thought were possible belief systems and societal mores and things that they tell us we've got to accept and suddenly we're faced with this dilemma of how do we share God's love and yet stand for the truth that he represents. Verses 1 to 4, now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, <clears throat> but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, moving on, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold, and after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. Jumping right away to, to verse 7, about three hours later, his wife came in, knowing what had happened, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, this is the price. Peter said to her, how could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. Imagine the early church. Imagine the power that they saw. Imagine the fear that filled them, and you're going to see it in just a minute. But they saw firsthand the importance of obeying God. They were confronted with right and wrong. Confrontation and sin, and seeing the power. Those are kind of some things that I see out of this first part of Acts 5. Well, here's the interesting thing. When God tells you and I, through his Holy Spirit, that this is the truth we're to live by, then we have an opportunity. My last point of application this morning is we're to represent. 
and we'll get there in a minute, but I, I want to jump ahead just for a minute to help you and I realize the importance of living according to his truth. And, and I'm not saying this lightly because we come face to face with people that challenge our belief systems and say, this is what I believe and how dare you tell me I have to believe anything different. And yet he tells us that, that when we disobey, this willful disobedience will have some, uh, some amazing consequences. My dad was a, a minister for a long time. We lived in Glasgow, Montana. We did this little radio program. He did a little broadcast every Saturday night called The Shepherd's Hour. And it was great because we as little kids got to go in. And, and Now imagine with me, this is in the 60s. Some of you don't even know what the 60s looked like. Let me tell you a little bit about them. We, lots of black and white. We wore white shirts and black pants, and it was kind of cool. So anyway, we're on the radio, and we got to take these little xylophone bells. And, and at the beginning of the show, at the beginning of his little broadcast, we'd hit one and it'd go, ding, ding. And that was the start of the, the broadcast. And what I liked about it was my dad was so, and I would say, Dad, do you think anybody's listening? I mean, I was in grade school. I go, do you think anybody's listening? He goes, John, the most important thing we can do today is to let people know that Jesus loves them. doesn't matter if one person listens or 200. Our goal is to share the love of Jesus so they can come to know him. And every week we would faithfully, and we'd fight, my brother and I'd fight to who got to ring the bell at the right time, and dad would do this little, he'd point with a little stick, and we'd go, bing, and that was the end of the program. And every week I would say the same thing. Finally, my dad said, John, quit asking me that question. I don't know if anybody's listening. But the important thing was to take this message to a world that needs to see his love. And I say that this morning because as we look at Acts 5, here's Ananias and Sapphira who lied and disobeyed and kept things back, and the immediate result was they died. And you and I have the ability to put things aside because we don't see in our minds, we don't allow the power of the Holy Spirit to be so present that when we do something wrong, it just kind of adds up. It just kind of builds in our lives. And again, I'm the last guy that wants to stand in front of you today and say, turn or burn, try or fry, shake or bake, because that's what the world thinks we do as Christians. But what we need to realize is we've got a tremendous privilege to understand God's truth and to live according to it. We see the sudden death. Verses 5 and 6, When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then the young man came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. Verse 10, At that moment, he's going on right on to Sapphira, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young man came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. It was instantaneous. Here, here was the rapid development you see right away in the outline. Great fear, verse 11, sees the whole church and all who heard about these events. What's your image of God this morning? What's your image of God? Because I want you to know that, that how you and I view God is how we're going to live our lives. Do we see him as a, a person that's got a, a gavel and every time we step out of line he's going to drill us? And so we live a life of guilt. Do we see him as a God who is just happy, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you may die, everything you do is great, don't sweat it, you're fine, just live the way you want, and someday, who knows what's going to happen? Or are you the kind of people that pay attention, and there are days when you realize that he's leading you, and you're, you're doing things according to his will, and there are days when you do things that might not be quite right, but he's helping you correct those, and he begins to share with us the ability and the opportunity to live a consistent life for him. How you and I view God is how we live our lives. The power when we disobey doesn't happen right away. And what it does sometimes in my own mind, it makes me feel like I can get away with things because I think God is out of sight 
and out of mind. So the things that I do give me the privilege to fudge a little bit, to do things a little wrong. And again, I am not going to produce, you're not going to see me hand out a list from the ushers as you walk out the door of all the things you can't do as a Christian. That's between you and God. But what I want you to hear again is there's all kinds of things that we can do and all the ways that he gives us the chance to develop. We have a generation today who are looking at us saying, there is nothing you can tell me that's going to prove the existence of truth in the Bible because I want to live my own life. I will determine my own things. It would be situational ethics. Every time I'm faced with something, I'm going to make a decision because it makes me feel right. And our goal is to be able to slide alongside them and say, let me share with you about the loving relationship that I have with Jesus and the provision of power from his Holy Spirit on a daily benefit. The second thing I see out of this passage real quickly this morning is the realization of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Daily lifestyles, verses 12 through 14. I like these verses. First, daily lifestyles, verse 12. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colony. As the power was evident, amazing things happened. New starts, exciting ventures, all these things were exciting them. I think about Mountain View, and I won't take long this morning, but I think about the beginning of our church. And some of you were here when we started our church, and how we just, we just kicked, kicked it off, our feet were moving, we jumped, we hit the ground, and away we went. We saw amazing things. We had a guy that would write Christian drama for us. About every two Sundays, we would have a drama here. Perfect place. We're in a theater. And he did a great job. And then we had, uh, we had a, a band that was just amazing. We had you know, recording availability and, and just a, a group that got together and they, they were so tight that it was just fun to minister. And people were saying, man, this is the greatest thing. We saw people come to know Jesus. We've seen probably over 1,300 people come to know Jesus since we started our church. And those are things that excite us. We just heard from Heidi. Some more decisions were made this week. But as you look at the history of our church, there was kind of a time where suddenly things just kind of, what we got, what I call, got back to normal in a lot of people's minds. My wife and I talk, about all, I'll talk all the time about the number of people that have come through the doors of our church over the years. They've moved, they've had things happen, their families have broken up, and, and, and we've, we've dealt with thousands of people through Mountain View. And yet I say this to you this morning because in our daily lifestyle, I want us to get back to the power of the Holy Spirit where we're seeing it so evident that in the most incredible ways, in the most small, minute portion of our lives, God's power is still available. And we begin to see him at work, and we begin to see him take things, and remember I told you the, past, or the, the phrase that God gave me is don't give the devil a foothold, taking the things that we have hung on to so tightly that determine how we live and what comes out of our hearts and our mouths that we can begin to say, hey, in my daily lifestyle, I'm going to see these miraculous things happening because I'm trusting God. I bet we could stop here this morning and list all kinds of things that we're trusting God for in a miraculous way. Family members, health situations, financial situations, relationships that have been broken so long, habits and sins and all these things in our lives that, that play a part, and yet I remember, again, don't give the devil a foothold. Continuing life, verse 13 and 14, no one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. And then I put spirit-filled living. Verses 15 and 16, and as a, result, as a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. 
And my idea here this morning is, as they were living this Spirit-filled life, it was simply Jesus. The power of the Spirit and seeing others come to know Christ. The third thing this morning is the responsibility of following Jesus. I'm not going to read the rest of the passage. I'm just going to highlight a few things. But the first thing we see that happens is when God starts to move, the power of the Holy Spirit is present. There's a target on the back of the apostles. And suddenly they face persecution like they've never faced before. And all kinds of things were happening. The opposition rose to squash the good news that was taking place. People stood up and demanded that they, wouldn't, they couldn't say things. They stood up. They took them to jail. They put them in prison. They did all the things saying that what you're proclaiming is wrong. And there's two ways to, re- to respond to that today. You and I are persecuted for what we believe in different ways. We're not thrown in jail. But we are ridiculed. We are challenged. We are in debates with people. And when they say these things, we have a choice. We can either go... Hey, let me just share with you about the love of God and what he means to me. We can go, you're right, I'm not going to say a word, I'm sorry. And we back off. A powerful perspective. Here's what Peter said. He said, we obey God, not man. Imagine how tough that stance was, and how about today? We obey God rather than man. And then the powerful claiming, and I want to finish with this so I can get to our application. Verses 40 to 42. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had never counted worthy. They had never been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. I watched a movie this week that I haven't seen for a while. It's one of my favorites. It's a classic Christian movie. It's called Facing Your Giants. And as you face face those giants, as I was reminded, I watched a really cool segment of that movie. And if you have it, watch it again because it's fun. This was on TBN. I managed to see it, recorded it, and watched it again. There's a young man on the football team who's very angry towards his dad, very bitter. Doesn't respect him, doesn't care. and, And the coach who is trying to develop this winning program, knows he's under attack because this guy's dad doesn't like him. He's raising up some people to replace him, to fire him. And suddenly, one day the coach realizes what the Holy Spirit's telling him is to go to the young man and say, you know, I, sh- I see that you do not respect your dad. And, and really what the Lord wants you to do is, is honor and obey your father, and that's what he's asking you to do. And so this, this kid looked at him and said, you know what, coach, thank you very much, but uh, have a nice day. And one day, which I love these little scenes, they're they're on the football field, the Holy Spirit chose to come in, and there was a revival amongst a bunch of the students at this Christian school. And as teens turned to the Lord, as they began to see the presence of His Spirit there, this young man was touched by God. So he went back to his coach, and his coach drove him over to his dad's office. And if you remember the story, he went in, and his dad was in the middle of a big meeting, and he looked at him and said, Dad, I just want to tell you that uh, I'm sorry. Because I have not respected you, I have not honored you the way God wants, and that's all I want to tell you. And he turned and walked out. And the coach was so stunned, he looked at all, the guy in the meeting with him, looked out the window and he saw that coach who had driven his son over to say that. My application this morning is this. I believe that God's telling us here at Mountain View today, the first step is don't give the devil a foothold. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit to speak to each of us today, right where we're living, myself included, and say, okay, God, that foothold needs to be given to you because it's affecting how I live. And I have the power. 
And I have the Holy Spirit who wants to give me this freedom and I take this very seriously because I believe God wants to just free us up to live the way he wants us to live. We do not have to hang on to things that cause us to be bitter and angry and defeated and discouraged and depressed. But we have the ability to say, I'm no longer giving the devil that foothold. And each one of us has a personal area where we struggle. Because that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants us to believe we're living right there and we're to defend our cause and nobody's going to tell us different. I pray again for you as you hear this phrase, don't give the devil a foothold. Would you respond this morning? It's a great place to start. The second thing that I see from Acts, the fifth chapter, is bring others to Jesus, utilize his power, because we need to make a difference. And so I'm I'm giving you this prayer of blessing today that's just giving you the ability to bring others to Jesus as you step out the door. You've taken the foothold that the enemy's got on your life and said you're gone. You're no longer a part of me. And then the last point this morning is this. Represent. No matter what we have, We have the privilege of representing the Lord no matter what the circumstances we can represent. The worship team is going to come and sing and they're going to close us with this song at the end and I want to talk to you a little bit. What I want you to think with me about is this in closing. I went to a tremendous uh, funeral service yesterday and you're saying, John, how can a funeral service be tremendous? This was for a lady who was a, a faithful pastor's wife all of her life. She, her, her husband was a superintendent of our conference for 16 years, but she was just a classy, classy lady. And I listened to her kids time and time again share how their mom had just represented the Lord no matter what. Small church, she took over sewing costumes for the children's choir. You, know, there, you could see the pictures. There were three or four kids sometimes in the choir, but her goal in life was to show people that Jesus loved them. And her kids are phenomenal. And her husband. And and I say when we represent, I can hear myself going, man, I am so discouraged today, I don't want to do a thing. I'm tired, people are mad at me, I've done wrong things, what's going on, I'm done. And I look at Peter and John and they go, it doesn't matter. And the reason I'm emotional this morning is because I see so many people in our city and in our community and in our world that don't know Jesus. And there's a lot of times I don't even care. And I want you to care. Worship team's going to lead us and then I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you for a decision today because I feel like God's telling us, don't give the devil a foothold. So kind of where I'm battling this morning is I want to give you a chance. I really believe that God wants you to, to just share with him today, hey, I need you to, to fill my life and take this, this foothold that, that the devil has in my life out of my life, wherever that's at, wherever you're living. So I'm sitting here thinking, okay, John, just have people share what God laid on your heart this morning. But here's what I think I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you what foothold the devil has in my life. Don't worry, you're not going to fire me, but it's... Uh, Hey, I've been doubting the ability to to build a building because he plays on my fear about the money that's involved. So as a result, I feel like the devil's got me right where he wants me. We're not going to build the Taj Mahal, but man, we can reach a community for Jesus. And he's got this progression going, and I'm sitting here going, nope, nope. The architect said 3.3 million, can't do it, nope. So today, just after the college informed us this week, they're raising around $1,000 a month 
I'm saying, Lord, get that foothold out of my life. Because you see, I'm 62 years old. I can do whatever I want for the next four or five years. Just see God work. I got a great staff. They're excited and do nothing. And I can't do that. So you pray for me as that foothold goes away. And we just got to see the Lord do some great things. I don't want to pay another thousand a month for this place. I love it, but I'm ready to get into our own place. And I know he's got footholds that you guys can give to him today. So would you just bow with me as we close? I'm going to give you a chance to make a decision. We'd love to pray with you afterwards. If you just want to raise your hand and say, and say, John, hey, the enemy's got a foothold in my life. I want to give it to God. Would you pray for me? Just raise your hand right where you are. Yes. Yes. Holy Spirit, we know you are powerful. We know that you love us and we know you perform miracles and we know that you will give us the desires of our heart as we focus on your will for us. I pray today for the hands that were raised that that foothold will go away and even this week, beginning of July, we will begin to see you give us a freedom like we've never experienced. And Lord, you'll begin to bring people who need to know you into our lives and across our paths and miracles will happen as we see people come to know you. Thanks for your love. Give us a great day. Sorry I cried. I know it's a great way to end.